When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. Okay, welcome back to the Back Pain Solutions podcast with me, Ben James, and my co-host, Jacob Stain. Morning, Jacob. Good morning, Ben. So today we're talking, is movement, or is it all movement, equal? That's the question for today's podcast. But before we start, as always, head over to the website, www.smartstrong.co.uk. Take advantage of our free ebook, start to get a good sense of the exercises, the movements, the things you need to do to start taking back control of your back health in the next seven days. Really helpful advice and video content as well to support you on your journey to better back health and getting you back to the activities you love, which is the aim of the podcast and the work that we do. So Jacob, is all movement equal? Where's this question come from? Because I know it's a, a question that you were asking and we were discussing the other day and we thought it would make for an interesting show. Well, yeah, just to add to the question, Ben, uh, like we have discussed, you know, why do some people get injured and others not when they when they perform the same movement or the same amount of that movement and yes. whether it's in the garden or in the gym or maybe doing their hobbies. And I, I think the... The main thing that we have to discuss here today is the fact that, you know, everybody's individual and some need more, some need less. And I hope we can dive a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, and I think that, that, that there's a point there that you make that, you know, people, we, we often follow people, don't we? So if, if someone's doing something, we kind of look at that and say, well, okay, that's working for them. Let me do that. And, you know, back pain's no different. If someone's suffering back pain and they speak to someone who also suffered back pain and they did a certain thing, then naturally, if they're if they're not having any success with their strategies currently or previously, then they're likely to try and follow the advice from somebody else that has had success. But actually, is that a problem? And is that going to cause you more issues? Well, potentially, I guess the answer is yes. Um, so I think it's an interesting an interesting topic, particularly when we're talking about um, kind of daily activities and those kind of things. That, uh, that people are doing repetitively, these things that people probably think are quite subtle but ultimately have a big impact on back health for, for, for many people. Yeah, exactly. And th there's numerous factors that we can discuss if we want to really go into depth. And that's, you know, a couple, to mention a couple, it, it would be, like we just said, you know, everybody's individual. Some people will tolerate more of a flexion-based program when it comes to exercise or movement. And other people just can't have any flexion in their low back, so they'll be better with more extension-type uh, extension movements or, or holding their spine in a sort of slightly extended posture. But, it, you know, ultimately it comes, what we want to discuss today, it comes back to quality of movement. And when we discuss quality of movement, we, we want to try and grade movement to either be good or bad. I don't like to use these terms, but we can break down movement into movement that is safe and that is not safe. 
And when we think of safe, we want to think of actually isolating the movement and giving the movement to the, to the joints that are supposed to perform the movement and make sure that we have or we limit unwanted movement in areas that we don't want to move at. Yeah, and if, for, for someone listening that hasn't listened before, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that people are doing every day, daily activities, exercises, work, et cetera, et cetera. You know, how do you really, where do you start with that? You know, as an individual, where do you start with, well, what's safe, what's not safe? Yeah, I mean, if we, if we just take, for example, a low back injury and we go out with the point that most people are flexionally intolerant, which means bending forward would be mm-hmm. a problem for them, we would like to limit flexion. So simple things like standing up, standing up from a chair, you know, are you flexing through your low back? If you're sitting in a chair, are mm-hmm. you pushing your bum back and sitting nice upright? Or are you sitting more forward and actually slouching? So, you know, yeah, th- those yeah. are static postures, but just standing up from a chair, actually flexing through the low back, that would be a problem if you're flexion intolerant. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, it's it's taken that advice to, to the extreme. And and I say taking it to the extreme, it's it's not actually taking it to the extreme, but for certain for certain patients, for certain individuals, they think it's um, they think it's it's quite uh, uh, difficult to to look at all these different scenarios. I was having a discussion with a patient the other day, uh, a, a friend of mine, um, in fact. So it was a little bit more, uh, a little bit less serious, shall we say? But sitting on the toilet, you know, he's a guy. We like to we like to sometimes sit and read when we're on the toilet but you he he was talking about how he slouch in that position you know and that is a serious problem if you've got a flexion intolerant back which he has and then he's going and sitting in that position slouched then that's causing him issues like it is when he's sitting on a chair sitting on a sofa whenever you're sitting during the day that posture becomes becomes relevant if you're if you're flexion intolerant and it's and it's kind of looking at all those different scenarios through the day and making that diary of when things could be problematic for you because it is that repetition that keeps these individuals often in a in a in a bad place exactly and you know just to add to that i have a a patient or i had the patient a little while ago and We've, we did everything you know we, we went through the exercises we we worked with his nutrition and I think I slipped up there. Obviously, you know, I have to give myself some of the blame as well. But then he mentioned at some point that he was he was gaming a lot. And that meant sitting. Okay. And I asked him, well, how do you sit? And he, he showed me he sat with his elbows on his knees in a very flexed forward posture for yeah. hours. And that was just keeping him from recovering. And when we changed that, yeah. quite quickly we saw a change. But, um, and that just shows the importance of the questioning, doesn't it, during uh, examination and initial history taking? Because yeah. sometimes we, you know, we don't, or patients certainly don't see the significance and the relevance of of things like that. Because you know, he might be, he might explain a story, and I don't know the background of the patient, but of of work, and you know, it's quite manual and everything else. But actually, you know, if that manual work for somebody is changing their posture throughout the day and they keep a relatively healthy neutral spine that might be pretty good for them compared to someone that's just sat at a desk all day Um, but if that person is then going home and spending hours 
gaming in that position, then that's a problem. But they they might may, they might not see it as that issue. And I think that's the that's a key take home for people is it's to really think and tune in to what you're doing on a daily basis that is aggravating that problem. I know we've mentioned this before, but it's so important to try and identify those triggers. That's it. And another point that I want to make is I, I quite often have uh, patients on the older side, you know, and they do gardening or they have hobbies or maybe they're, you know, the guy would do um, some work at home and he'd hurt his back, go to the, the GP, go to the doctor and the doctor would just, you know, would say to him generally, you know, you've got to keep moving, keep doing it. You know, yes. when it gets a little bit better, take it easy. When it gets a little bit better, keep moving, keep doing what you're doing. As if there's this need to to keep moving because they're getting old, you know, just don't stop moving. And that's quite often the wrong advice. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's good advice, but it's it's bad advice in the sense that, yes, we want people to keep moving because we know that bed rest can be, certainly have a deleterious effect on on back health and general health, obviously. You know, a, a sedentary lifestyle and a lack of movement is a bad thing. So great that we're encouraging people to move. But if we're just encouraging people to continue doing the things they were doing before and just get back to it, as it were, because, you know, that's the that's the kind of active approach that that the society wants to recommend. Uh, but again, back to the point previously made, if getting back to movement means repeating something that is an aggravating factor, then that's a problem. So it's kind of that sweeping generalization, like you say, of of just move that could be a problem yeah. even though ironically we don't want people to just not move so that is the challenge exactly and, qu and quite a lot of old people are are quite vulnerable so i feel that you know we can take we can make a little bit of effort to get them to move better improve the quality of movement and so we will ensure for a big part that they are not going to get injured or fall back to to having pain yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so uh, on that note, then we want people to keep moving. We're, we're saying not all movement is is the same. It's not all equal. So, largely, could we could we make the recommendation that as long as you keep that back in neutral, then you're going to find it very difficult to injure or damage or aggravate that back to a large extent, and therefore that's kind of the foundation for then trying to keep moving. Would that be a good place to start? Do you think as advice? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's absolutely, I, I agree with that. And that's something I want to discuss. You know, when we look at our environment, uh, that's something we can change. Mm -hmm. So we can optimize our environment. If we would work in the garden, for example, you know, and we have to do a lot of work on the ground. So we want to pick some weeds or, 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 or plant some seeds, then it's all about how you go to the ground, how you perform the movement that you have to in order, well, the awkward movements. And so optimize your environment by getting a little stool outside. So you can, if, you, if you're struggling just to do a lunge, keeping your back upright and in neutral, you know, use the support of a stool. So put one hand on a stool and then lunge down with that so you have an extra bit of support. The same way, use this to get up, you know, or go onto your knees and onto your hand so you have this extra leg, which is your arm, to rest on when you pick weeds or, 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 or you um, 
work on the ground. So you don't actually just rest on your knees and hang on your back. So I think that's that's a big key for a lot of people, you know, optimize your environments. Similarly with uh, if you have a physical job, you know, make sure you're able to lunge, squat, and uh, if if the weight is too much, then ask for help. You know, don't do stuff. Don't put your back in an awkward movement where you're really running the risk. I think, like you said in the beginning, it's all about the awareness. If you know that it's there, prepare yourself for it, so that you don't don't run the risk of actually putting your back out. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's a great kind of take home message is is optimize your environment because again, back to how, kind of how we introduced the show and that kind of complacency or just feeling that certain things shouldn't be a problem or I'm just sitting down playing on the computer. You know, all these things could be a problem for you as the individual. And it's and it's reflecting on those things and setting yourself up for success. It's understanding, like we say, what neutral spine is because that, that forms a, a great foundation for better back health. And you'll find that information in the ebook that we talked about at the beginning of the show. But that provides a platform to avoid pain triggers and to to make your back healthier so how can i keep in that position throughout the day we know if you're sat at a desk a lot you tend to kind of creep into those poor postures so set an alarm that every 20 minutes you're going to have a break you're just going to stand up you're going to make phone calls standing up walking around the house or even walking around the office if, if practical why why not why would you not do that why do we just end up sitting in that one position all day keep hydrated keep a glass of water by your side all these little things that make for a more productive day but a better day for your for your health and and that optimizing your environment is a is a great point to make on that because so often we're just getting to the routine of life and we don't reflect on the things that we're doing that are causing us a problem and without focusing on that without changing that then how's that going to improve your back health? Because just going and seeing someone for treatment and then going back to the things that you do every single day that are the problem is not going to lead to a successful outcome. And that's something that people really need to think about and reflect on. Yeah, and I want to add to that. That's a good point, Ben. I want to add to that, you know, all the movement that we make, whether it's in the gym, doing a hobby, working in the garden, or having a physical job, you know, we are we have a physical biological capacity so we we have to consider all the work and the movement we make or do uh, or see it as uh, what I, the term i'm looking for is actually it's called dose dependent and what I, what i mean with that is the mm-hmm. fact that there's a breaking point so we can do a certain amount of work and we will be fine if we do too much we go into the danger zone so whether that's a repetitive strain injury or whether that's uh, um, making big movements but lifting heavy things, at a certain point it's it's just too much. So figuring out and knowing what you what dose you can handle is also very important. Yeah, and, that, and that's where an an active and collaborative approach is so important because you, as the back sufferer, need to provide that feedback and input because only you know. It's very subjective, you know, and, th- and that's the same for exercises. If you're given rehabilitation exercises, people always ask the question, 
and you all have experienced this, Jacob. Okay, how many repetitions? How many times a day? How many times a week should I be doing these exercises? And the answer to that question is whatever's right for you and what's tolerated by you. So if you're doing those exercises and you know they're safe and you know that you're doing them well, that's a great starting point. Obviously, you need to know that. But if after 10 repetitions, you start to feel a bit of an ache, that's too much for you. If you start to, if you do three repetitions and it starts to feel an ache, then that's too much for you. So it's, it's the graded exposure that is important, but it has to be based on the individual and the individual tolerances. And that requires their input and their feedback. Exactly. And, you know, that, that's especially if we look at rehabilitation, but also when we look at high performance training. If we do too many reps, we lose the neurological drive to perform the exercise or the movement at a high quality. In other words, we're not actually training that high quality movement anymore. Specifically, when we look at something like weightlifting or fighting movements. And yeah, and that's particularly where there's a danger when, when we look at the, the fitness world particularly because there's often that that mentality of, right, I do five sets of 10 or I do three sets of 10 or whatever that might be. So for somebody that's in a gym setting that that isn't quite at that level of that person they're watching on YouTube or the athlete that they follow and they try and repeat the same training regime and like you say, they lose that neural drive, then that's where the injury risks come. So that's where, again, it's about graded tolerance and being sensible about our approach, particularly when we extend this to the kind of athletic setting, because otherwise you're, you're just increasing your risk of injury uh, needlessly. Because in time, yes, you could maybe repeat that same training regime, but you've got to start where's right for you. Exactly. And so I, I want to add to that, you know, um, we had a good question here. How can one know if their movement is of good quality? And, and I think that's what a lot of listeners are thinking. You know, how do I know whether I'm moving well? And I think, mm. you know, we, we can't explain all of that right here now. But as a general rule, we want to make sure that we move through the big levers. So we want to give the work to the big joints. And those are the knees, the hips, and the shoulders. And like Ben mentioned, we want to focus on that neutral spine. So we want to limit movement through the back. And we want to be able to give the movement to the the big muscles, the buttocks, the glutes at the hips, for example, when we bend or when we go uh, through our knees to make a squat to pick something up. And if we can follow these, well, these rules, then we're already doing ourselves a big favor in terms of good quality movement. Yeah, and I think it's back to that as well, the, the proximal stiffness alongside moving through those, those big joints. Because if you've got that stability, then your movement at the extremities is is a more efficient but far safer and i always think back jacob to the the example that you provided from the tennis world if you look at the likes of you know a roger federer compared to your rafa nadal when you explained that and it was so res it resonated with me so much that that proximal stiffness and that movement is so so fantastic from roger federer nadal is far bigger muscular so you would think he's He's, he's better trained, he's stronger, and clearly he is. He's a professional athlete, he's a professional tennis player, but he has had far more injuries, and that is something that does make you think. It does really make you think. It, it's not all about building power 
um, at these in these shoulders and in the chest, which is what a lot of people from, a, again, going to the gym setting look to do from an aesthetic point of view. But if you build that proximal stiffness and if you move through those big levers, through the hips, through the shoulders, then you let you, you're just going to be in a much better and more stable, strong, healthy position than if you just look at power distally and you're not focused on that because that is where a lot of problems are for a lot of people. It is about that core strength, that that stiffness and that healthy movement. And that's what's going to avoid injury. Yes. So I, I agree with you there, Ben. It's it's all about understanding what the neutral spine is and make sure you're able to move and twist through the hips and if needed, bend through the knees. And, uh, you know, we'll speak later again about probably how we can make the shoulder strong and how the shoulder adds to the to the core, but that's all part of uh, good movement. Yeah, and I think, you know, really, the, the take-home message here, I think, from, from this episode is not all movement is equal. Make sure that you optimize your environment and you reflect on the things you're doing every day that could be problematic because undoubtedly, in most instances, 99% of cases, something the patient is doing every single day is causing that problem. Then we're looking at starting with the neutral spine. That's where all healthy movement does become more equal because if we can get into that neutral position, then that's a good base. It's a good start. And then it's about graded exposure to the right exercises and the right movements for you and your specific condition as the starting point to then build better and healthier movement. So Jacob, thanks as always. Guys, head over to the website for the ebook because that gives a lot of exercise advice and information about some of these key principles some of the fundamentals that are so so important to better back health and as always we ask you to head on over to itunes and give us a review give us a rating it always helps to spread the message and feel free to get in touch with us via the website send us any questions send us any um, specific individual requests you've got for information and advice happy to answer those and maybe we as always can look at answering them on the show as well and uh, just be mindful of what you're doing every day for that back health thanks for listening guys we'll catch you on the next show